Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Joe, thanks very much for that. It's verses 6 and 7 that Simon has given us as our theme of this morning. Uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, I'm going to cheat a bit. I'm going to tag a bit of verse 5 onto verses 6 and 7. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, etc., etc. The Lord is near. It's a wonderful reminder that when we pray, we're not addressing a distant deity. When we pray, the Lord is already with us and the Lord is already listening. We need the peace of God in our hearts when we uh, live in a world of such uncertainty and turmoil, don't we? I hardly need mention Brexit, Covid, Trump, Biden, China, North Korea, Salisbury, stabbings, and now no petrol. Uh, every generation has its uncertainties, but we certainly, certainly have ours, don't we? You know, according to Amazon, in the Kindle ebook, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, is the most highlighted passage in the Bible. We crave reassurance and uh, we need not be anxious, for the Lord is near. What makes Paul's advice even more powerful is that he was almost certainly in prison at the time he wrote it. And what's good about this is that Paul doesn't just tell us not to be anxious, but he tells us how we can get Christ's comfort, and that's by prayer and petition. But let's just step back for a few moments. What are the main elements of Christian prayer? Well, different expert theologians say slightly different things, but 
Let me uh, share with you what an early church theologian had to say about prayer. In the 6th century, John of Damascus put it like this. Prayer is the raising of the heart and mind to God or the requesting of good things from God. And he went on to identify four main kinds of prayer. Adoration, contrition, supplication and thanksgiving and I, I, reading that myself and pondering on it I think I'd like to add something else to the list and it's along this these lines it's it's to do with resting in God's presence um, I mean what would you like to add to that uh, uh, list but rather than simply talking this morning about a list of definitions well let's make sure that we actually do it together this morning right here our first hymn was in fact a prayer of praise and adoration and now we're going to pray again this time it's a prayer of confession and contrition now why is confession and contrition so important well the Bible in the book of Psalms the psalmist expresses it perfectly this is from Psalm 66 I cried out to the Lord with my mouth his praise was on my tongue but if I had cherished sin in my heart the Lord would not have listened so please join me now and let us pray this together uh, it will be on the screen in a moment most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive us what we have been, help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. Now, may our Lord have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, let's think a bit about prayer as supplication. I don't, know if, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the uh, Steven Spielberg uh, film about the American president, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a devout Christian, so much so that he used to be described as being a man of one book, and the book he took as a manual for his life was the Bible. And prayer was a central part of his daily life as well would have been good to have had Abraham Lincoln with us this morning to help with our reflections though in a way we do listen to these words of his I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go my own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day uh, let's remain seated and capture that thought 
as we sing together. Father, I place into your hands the things I cannot do. anniversary coming up next week I've found myself thinking back and remembering some of the members of our church who can't be with us today um, Fiona Katzler uh, she's still a member she's lived in France for very many, very many years but keeps in touch with us uh, she hasn't been able to join us here for a very long time but I remember her once telling me how keen she is to develop her prayer life uh, she said, I pray daily for people who I believe God puts into my life at that time. And uh, I remember saying that she was encouraged by the example of um, the great preacher D.L. Moody, who's said to have carried a list of the names of 100 non-Christians for whom he prayed over many, many years. Uh, by the time of his death, no fewer than 96 on Moody's list had become Christians. And what's more, the remaining four uh, became converts at Moody's funeral. Do you remember, uh, I'm sure many of us will, the late and very dear 
Molly Brown. I remember her telling me that every morning she would recite this verse, which comes from Psalm 5. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my re request before you and wait in anticipation. Isn't that lovely? A morning reminder that all the apparently chance things that happen in the rest of the day, that throughout that, we will be on the lookout to spot the ways that God is blessing and caring for us. Uh, I know that Simon Boddington as well schedules his daily devotions at the start of the day. I know that for sure, because I, uh, in the early days of his connection with us, I'd sometimes phone him in, in uh, the early, early morning um, and, and interrupt him. Uh, but uh, for us, there are other times of the day uh, when it works better for, uh, for us, and, and I'm certainly more of an evening person. Um, Mary and Roger Fuller, Peter and Carola Herring, uh, Brian and Liz Pollard, and I'm sure many, many more of us give thanks and pray every day. Uh, one of my inspirations, uh, and this is the wonderful thing about the Christian faith, that it, it's, it's like this line through history since the death of Christ. Uh, we not only look and learn from the Christians we're surrounded by, but from the Christians of history as well. And one of my inspirations has been the Carmelite monk, Brother Lawrence. He lived in the 17th century, and he served as a lay brother in a monastery in Paris. After his death, uh, a series of his letters were compiled, uh, compiled into a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Now, Brother Lawrence wasn't a church leader. He wasn't a theologian. He spent decades doing the most menial of tasks. He was looking after the brother's sandals and working in the kitchen. For Brother Lawrence, the worldly status of a task mattered far less than the motivation behind it. He says, it's not needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying in the pan for love of him. Brother Lawrence felt that having the right attitude made, made every detail of his life valuable. He, he cooked meals, he ran errands, he scrubbed pots alongside God. Uh, the time of business, he said, does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of the kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in his great tranquility as if I were upon my knees. Brother Lawrence quite openly admits that on many occasions he failed in what he saw as his duty to God. It was said of him that when he had finished his tasks, he examined himself. If he found he had discharged his duty well, he returned thanks to God. If otherwise, he asked pardon, he then continued his exercise of the presence of God 
as if he'd never deviated from it. He said, by rising from my falls, I'm come to a state wherein it would be as difficult for me not to think of God as it was at first to accustom myself to it. Persistence is important. We need to keep on keeping on. Time, I think, for another hymn. Uh, this one was written in the 19th century by an Irishman. He was a teacher. His name was Joseph Scriven. He wrote it following a series of terrible personal misfortunes. Um, age 25, on the day before he was due to marry, his fiancée was tragically drowned. Like many of his countrymen, famine forced him from Ireland and he emigrated to Canada. There he fell in love, became engaged, but once again Joseph's hopes and dreams were shattered. His fiancée Eliza became ill and died before the wedding could take place, but even that's not the end of it. Shortly after Eliza died, Joseph received word from Ireland that his mother had fallen ill and was dying. He couldn't go to be with her, so he wrote her a letter of comfort and enclosed one of his poems. Uh, Joseph Scriven's poem is set to such a beautiful tune, so let's now sing it together. Um, stand or sit as you prefer. Thank you. 